Live from the College of Communication, Arts, and Sciences at Michigan State University, it is now time to go beyond the X's and the O's with WKAR's Current Sports. You want to go after an athlete? One of my athletes? Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. Well, I'm the best corner in the game. When you try me with a star receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you're going to get. Yes, did I express to them I was mad? I was furious. Just furious. I know my wife will at least shot fake one time. We're talking about practice, not a game. And I told our players, you need to be more like a dog. We don't need a bunch of cats in here. Looking in the mirror. Do I look good? I got my extra bands on. I got my other shoes on. Be a dog. We don't need no meows. We don't need no cat. Here's your host, L. Martin. Beautiful people, welcome to this Monday, June 21st, 2021 edition of WKAR's Current Sports. I am your host, Al Martin. I hope you guys had a fantastic weekend. It, it, it was a it was a great one for me. You know, I mean, heck, you had Juneteenth this past Saturday, the first time it's been nationally recognized as a holiday. That's pretty cool, right? That, that's the official day that um, my beautiful black people here in America um, were no longer enslaved. So I'm, I, it was just really cool just to see all across my social media, family and friends that I know, uh, just, just really celebrating and embracing that day long overdue. Saturday was a great day, and then Sunday... You know, of course, uh, you, you had some, you had great sports going on all weekend, a very busy sports weekend. But, you know, on Sunday, I actually sat back in the, uh, the late afternoon uh, and evening and watching uh, John Rahm put the finishing touches on his U.S. Open victory. How awesome was that, right? And, and this is a brother who two weeks ago had to withdraw from attorney due to a positive COVID-19 test. And he had the lead at the time. He was probably going to win. Uh, many people believe that. I believe he was going to win that tournament. And bam, now look at him. He comes back winning the U.S. Open. And he talks about how he's a big believer in karma. And if that wasn't karma, I don't know what is, right? I mean, to, to come back and win the U.S. Open um, is pretty incredible pretty incredible and a great father's day gift form as well as uh john rom you know he uh he's a this is his first father's day as a father and we saw his uh his wife there um and it was it was it was interesting because you know louis ostenhazen he had a chance to possibly push that thing to a playoff you know he had about like three holes left Rom had just finished up, and, and Rom finished up in, in, a, in a major, major way. He closed with two birdies, and how about that birdie on 18, right, where, you know, the ball starts left, goes right, 
and then goes in and, and you know, he, he yells out and, and gives an emphatic fist pump. That was huge. But, you know, Austin Hazen still had three holes left and an opportunity to, to just get one birdie. You know, just just one birdie. And that's easier said than done. He almost did it, though. I mean, on, on, the, um, on the 18th, it was a par five. He did birdie that hole, but the problem is the hole prior to his drive got lost on the left side in, in, into some shrubbery, and he had to take a drop, and he actually bogeyed. So he would he would have had to get an eagle on the 18 to possibly push it to a playoff. So, you know, once that, that approach shot, you know, didn't miraculously find the bottom of the hole, you know, John Rahm, who was actually warming up on the driving range just in case he had to go out for a playoff against Luis Ostenhazen, um, once that ball didn't go in the hole, he began to celebrate. You know, he embraced his wife uh, and his um, his beautiful baby. And look who was there alongside as well. Uh, Phil Mickelson, the great Phil Mickelson, who was uh, just coming off a, a major win not too long ago, right? Becoming, um, you know, the, uh, the oldest golfer uh, at the age of 50 to win a major. But, uh, you know, they both went to ASU, and, and Rahm was there supporting Phil when he won that major, uh, you know, a few weeks ago. And then you had Phil just sitting there. It was it was such an interesting scene. He was sitting there in a chair alongside John Rahm's wife and kid as Rahm warmed up on the uh, on the driving range awaiting the result of, of, of how Oostenhazen was going to finish. And he's just chatting it up with his wife. With Rahm's wife, just on the side, just waiting and waiting and waiting. And I, I just thought that was a really cool scene. And then when, when it was said and done, the two embraced in a hug. So that that was one of my favorite moments of the weekend, you know, on Father's Day, seeing John Rahm do what he did at Torrey Pines out in California uh, was pretty special. Pretty, pretty special. And, um, you know, and, and that and it, it's amazing. It really is because... You know, you, you look at that that final putt that Rom had. I mean, that was not an easy putt. And that's why they kept showing it over and over and over on the broadcast. And, you know, uh, it's just it's just amazing. It really is. You know, uh, his 10-week-old son by the name of uh, Kepa, it's a really beautiful name, uh, in his arms uh, and, and, you know, having flown from Spain, Rom wins his first career major. That was his first career major. Um and now he returns to number one in the world, folks. So pretty, pretty awesome stuff. Pretty awesome stuff. And, you know, again, that was two weeks after that that six-shot lead was wiped out at the memorial because of that positive COVID-19 test. And, and yeah, that was, that was really some karma, folks. It really was. So that was one of my favorite moments of the weekend, for sure. Um, how about... You know, the, uh, the 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 Brooklyn Nets, you know, they were eliminated in a, a game seven just battle against the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, that was a hard fought series. I really thought that, you know, you guys know those who tune into current sports. I chose before the NBA playoffs began, I chose a Bucks and Jazz NBA finals. Well, that's not looking too good now. Oh, man. Well, no, yeah, it was a Nets Jazz. Yeah, it was a Nets Jazz NBA Finals. That's not looking too well, you know, because the Bucks eliminated the the, uh, the Nets 
uh, over the weekend on Saturday night, to be exact, uh, in Game 7. A uh, Game 7 that went down to the wire. It went to overtime. And uh, Kevin Durant, you know, he tried to to put on that Superman cape once again, uh, but but came up just short, man. And it, and it hurts because, you know, you look at Kevin Durant in that run and you look at the Brooklyn Nets, and it's certainly a disappointment, especially after you take three of the most dominant NBA players in the game today and you put them on one team. But it don't matter if they can't stay healthy and they can't be out there on the basketball court. So, you know, Kyrie Irving, he was out that game. Kyrie didn't play. That hurts, man. You know, and James Harden, he wasn't 100% throughout the entire series. So it kind of all fell on the shoulders of KD to carry this team. And Milwaukee is just a, a deeper, deeper squad, man. You know, you, you already got Giannis Antetokounmpo, who I think is, you know, he's a superstar in the league, uh, even though I think he needs to work on that jumper of his, but still he's dominant. Uh, and then how about the emergence of Chris Milton for the uh, Milwaukee Bucks? So, you know, that, that happened on, on Saturday night. Uh, and Milwaukee now moves on to play a team who put its finishing touches on a Game 7 victory last night as the Atlanta Hawks beat the Philadelphia 76ers in what was a pretty entertaining game. But, you know, down the stretch of that game, and I must say, I am very shocked that Atlanta has made it all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. There weren't many people that, when looking at the Atlanta Hawks, thought that they would be sitting here in this position playing in the NBA's Eastern Conference Finals. Don't get me wrong, solid team. Solid overall team led by, you know, Trey Young. But Eastern Conference Finals worthy? I, I didn't I didn't see that coming um at all. So uh pretty wild, man. Pretty wild that we were we were not gonna see um the Atlanta Hawks taking on the Milwaukee Bucks. And then in the Western Conference Finals, actually, uh game one, you had the uh, the Phoenix Suns beating the Los Angeles Clippers in game one, and that was without Chris Paul. So, you know, if I had to choose right now, man, I really like this Phoenix Suns team. Uh, This is a Phoenix Suns team led by the great Chris Paul, even though he didn't play yesterday due to injury. Um, You know, Devin Booker is a man. I love how deep they are. I love how together they are. So uh, that was a 120 to 114 Game one win in the uh, in the NBA's Western Conference Finals there. So a very busy weekend, an eventful weekend for me. Actually, you know, I was on the um, I was on the road for a wedding. Uh, I flew to Atlanta, Georgia, to witness one of my my very good friends uh, from Michigan State University, my my, my guy Tabula. And uh, I, I actually I went to uh, as you guys know I went to Michigan State and I stayed my freshman year in Acres Hall, and uh, my college roommate Horatio, who's from Columbia, um, he was really good friends with Tabula, and Tabula lived in the uh, the dorm uh, room uh, right next to Acres, which is Hubbard, right off of, right off of Hubbard, uh, right off of um, Hagedorn, excuse me. Um, Hubbard is right. I mean, Acres and Hubbard are right off of Hagedorn on campus. And uh, anyway, they're right next to each other. And, and, and Tabula used to come over all the time, man. And we just became really good friends. And, you know, we all, it's amazing when you make, 
when you make friendships in college, man, those are the friendships that usually like just like last forever for the rest of your life. You know, college is, is certainly a special time, man. And, and I talk to I talk to so many of my college buddies on the daily folks, you know, uh, mostly through text, of course. But, you know, we talk just about on the daily you know, um, through, through text message. So was out there for a wedding, you know, congratulations. I want to give a formal congratulations here on the airwaves to, uh, to Bula and Jennifer. It was a beautiful wedding. I enjoyed it. And then I, uh, I flew back from Atlanta yesterday, uh, back to Lansing. So I, I flew from Atlanta to Detroit and then Detroit to Lansing and, and got in around 5 PM, uh, yesterday. So, uh, and I, I must say, by the way, uh, the security line, you know, the TSA line in Atlanta. Oh, my gosh. If anybody is planning on doing some uh, some traveling to Atlanta over the over the summer in the coming weeks, um, please keep that in mind. Give yourself a lot of time to get through security. I'll just say that. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm back here in the saddle, man. And, you know, uh, when it comes to today's show, I want to address those those stories over the weekend, those those big stories over the weekend. And, I, and I'm going to round I'm going to I'm going to turn back and uh, and and touch upon more in the NBA. And uh, I want to, you know, I'll probably name John Rahm one of my weekend winners. Right. Why not? But on today's show, during segment B, I do want to talk about the Tokyo Olympic Games, as it has now been announced that they will allow a, a certain limit when it comes to local fans inside of the venues when it comes to spectators. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on that uh in segment B. And I also want to tell you about um some uh some Michigan State Spartans, uh one in particular who, you know, competed in Olympic trials, you know, these past few days, and it looks as though they are going to be competing in the Tokyo Olympics, which is absolutely awesome. And um I also want to talk about Allison Felix. I want to mention her at 35 years old. It looks as though she's going to qualify for her, will be her fifth Olympics. You know, the track and field star that she is. Uh, completely amazing there. Um, but first, this news broke this morning, folks. And it's pretty major. And we're seeing college athletics change in so many different and dynamic ways. I have talked here on current sports about how, you know, the NC2A needed to make modifications or at the end of the day, they were going to be forced to. It was coming. It was it was inevitable. And they could no longer just hide. And stall because props to, you know, these former college athletes who have just come out and said that, look, uh, enough is enough. This is America. Change must happen. And if you aren't willing to talk to us and, 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 and make some modifications, then look, we're going to take this thing to the highest court of the land. Let's go to the Supreme Court. We're, we're, going, we're going to come at you legally and force you to change. And, and that's, that's pretty much exactly what has happened, folks. In this latest story, now, you know, this... this this doesn't directly pertain to the name, image, and and likeness situation, 
that is going to come into effect um, in about probably by a, a year or two that will allow college athletes to use their, their name, image, and, and likeness for whatever, you know, to get endorsements, to do a, a local car commercial, to just profit off of their name like any other human being can do, right? Um, but th- this ruling has to do with um, compensation in terms of uh, education-related benefits, if you will. So today... A ruling came down 9-0. The Supreme Court, the High Court, 9-0, folks, that they ruled that the NCAA limits on the education-related benefits that college athletes can offer athletes who play Division I basketball and football cannot be enforced. 9-0. There was not one on the high court that said, no, I don't agree with this. It's incredible, right? It, it really is. And to, to dive a little deeper into what this means, now, you know, this case doesn't decide whether student-athletes can be paid salaries. It doesn't have to do with that, all right? What it has to do with um, is determining whether schools decide to offer athletes tens of of thousands of dollars in education-related benefits for things like computers, graduate scholarships, tutoring, you know, things like study abroad, things like internships, that kind of stuff. So education-related benefits, you can't cap it. You know, if if a school wants to throw a ton of money in those areas for a student-athlete or student-athletes, then they can. Now, naturally, you're sitting there saying, well, these education-related benefits, Al, can really get spicy. And, you know, if one school is offering more in educator-related benefits and, and, and you know, uh, maybe a, and, and a Mac laptop as opposed to a Dell, I don't know, <laughs> not to – not, 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 for those who have Dell laptops out there, Dells are great, okay? I'm just saying a more expensive laptop over a least expensive laptop or, or more enticing study abroad opportunities as, as opposed to another school, that can get really competitive. And the more you offer in those kind of benefits – the more that the eyes and the you know the eyes get bigger, the, the ears go up a little bit in comparison to another school that may not be able to compete with the educated related benefits that said school is offering. So it gets competitive that way. But look, this is already happening, folks. You know, this is what I've constantly argued here on Current Sports that you think that it's now going to become the wild, wild west. Now that we're, we're seeing it become legal to just kind of take the leash off and, hey, if a school wants to offer you whatever or has better financial opportunities available to you, then those schools are always going to win. Those schools have already been doing it, and they are already winning, period. I mean, just look at the top programs in college football who are constantly making the college football playoff and competing for national championships, and they are the same old, tired schools that we see year after year after year. The Alabamas, the Clemsons of the world, the the, the, the Georgias of the world, you know, uh, just about all the SEC, right? The SEC has just been so dominant. But, you know, out of, out of all the schools, 
when you look at the schools that have made the college football playoff, all right, and we had this discussion not too long ago when discussing how the powers that be in college football are, are now, you know, deciding that, okay, let's take a, a, another look at this thing and not just have four teams in maybe. Maybe we expand this thing to 12 teams. When we talked about that, I mentioned how if you look at, you know, uh, since since the college football playoff was put in place, you know, what, like five, six years ago, how there really hasn't been much diversity. It, it's it's the same schools every single year. Just every single year we see the Alabamas and Clemsons of the world, right? So those schools are already winning. Those school and no and the reason why is those schools are already getting the top recruits. You know, um, the things you don't hear about or see in the world of recruiting, the things that that happen behind closed doors, that the 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 quote unquote dirty things, it's already happening. It's already happening, folks. So, you know, this notion that now this is just going to blow the doors off of everything and now it's going to become the wild, wild west, I'm not totally sold on that. I'm just not. I'm just not. Because those who have decided to play that ugly game have already been playing it and have already been winning at it. If anything, this puts puts it out in the light. It allows these college athletes who bring in so much money to these said universities, it allows them to... to get compensated finally for a little bit of what they do. All right. So long overdue, but this is, you know, this is, this is major. And the fact that the highest court in the land ruled nine, nothing. The fact that there was not one voice that said, no, it shows you how, how lost the NCAA is, you know, (laughs) So, again, the NCAA, it can't bar schools from sweetening their offers to Division I basketball and, and football players, you know, with additional education-related benefits. Now, I will say this, individual conferences can still set limits if they choose. They could possibly set some limits, but, you know, a lawyer, which I think they will, you know, I think, I think, I think this makes... A lot of people nervous out there. A lot of those in charge of the NCAA nervous. And I think those in charge of the NCAA will be talking with respective conferences, urging them to place some limits on this because they, too, believe this could become the wild, wild west, right? Obviously, that's why they fought it and went to the highest court of the land to, to, to fight it because they had to. So, you know, a lawyer for the former athletes, who took this thing to the Supreme Court said before the ruling that he believed that if his clients won, quote, very many schools, end quote, would ultimately offer additional benefits. Now, the NCAA's argument, well, they argued that a ruling for the athletes could lead to a blurring of the line between college and professional sports with college athletes trying to lure talented athletes well excuse me with colleges trying to lure talented athletes by uh you know by offering these these quote-unquote over-the-top education benefits worth thousands of dollars um even without the court's ruling though changes they 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 see them on the way for how college athletes are compensated i already mentioned the name image and likeness situation and that'll be coming down to pike in two years all right 
They're trying to amend its rules to allow athletes to profit from their name, images, and likenesses. So that's a, that's a major. We all know that's the big, big game changer. So the Players Association of the NFL, the NBA, and the WNBA had all urged the justices to side with the ex-athletes. They've all been for them. So, you you know, the NCAA saying, okay, this is blurring the line between amateurism and professionalism. But you got those, you got, you have, you have these professional sports siding with the ex-athletes. Siding that, hey, allow them to profit off their name, image, and likeness and, and allow them, you know, these educated related benefits, they, they, they should have been getting this. Do you know how much money they bring into these universities? So you have you have the NBA, the NFL, and the WNBA all all siding with these ex-athletes. And not to mention our current administration in these United States of America, the Biden administration has also sided heavily with the former athletes. I love it. Finally, the power is, is being shifted a bit, a little bit to the college athlete. And it's long overdue. You know, the problems that come with it, I don't know. Uh, what, what is a, I don't know, what is, what is a player going to do? You know, all right, extra related benefits that are worth thousands of dollars. So going back to the laptop thing, you've got a, you got a thousand dollar laptop, right? I don't know what, 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 do you think that, that athlete is going to sell that thing for some money? I don't know, maybe. That's, he can do that if he wants, though. <laughs> hey, it's his laptop. You know, it's just certain things, man. The control that the NCAA tries to have over these players who they profit off of is just ridiculous to me. It just is. So, but things are changing in college sports. And the also the other big thing is, especially when it comes to basketball, you know, in, in hoops now, you're seeing a lot of the top recruiting talent here in America not just automatically look at college basketball and say, yeah, that's okay, that's my road to the NBA. There are other avenues now that big names, big time players are taking to make it to the league. You know, look at the, you know, look at the rookie of the year right now, the NBA. LaMelo Ball, a part of the always in the press ball family, right? <laughs> courtesy of LeVar, their dad. But LaMelo said, no, skip college hoops. I'm going to go overseas, play for a year so that I can reach that that age eligibility while getting paid at the same time. And then I'm going to enter the NBA draft, become a high pick, and then I'm going to win rookie of the year. College hoops is not the end-all, be-all anymore when it comes to a top high school basketball talent trying to make that professional basketball dream come true. It's become just, uh, you know, another avenue in addition to possibly going overseas and playing for a year and then entering the draft or playing in the G League for some time and then entering the draft and making that dream come true, right? And the thing about it is right now, you play in the G League or you play overseas, you will get paid during that time. You have more opportunity to get paid and get compensated for playing the game. 
right out of high school where as when it comes to college sports again that 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 the name image and likeness rule won't go into effect until next year so as of right now you still can't get compensated it's a game changer folks but what what say you what do you think of this do you think that you know the high court the supreme court ruling against the NCAA on compensation when it comes to these educator related benefits how big of a game changer do you think this is and did the supreme court the highest court in the land did they get it right 517-355-WKAR 517-355-9527 call us leave us a voicemail at that number you can also go to Facebook.com slash WKAR News. Leave us a comment anywhere there on our Facebook page. And you can tweet us. You can tweet me directly at Al Martin WKAR. Or you can tweet the show at WKAR News. But let's hit our first break. And when we come back, I'm going to give you guys an update on the Tokyo Olympics um, as it pertains to spectators. And we'll talk some NBA as well, folks. You are listening to the Monday edition of WKAR's Current Sports. All right, welcome back to WKAR's Current Sports. The Tokyo Olympic Games are right around the corner. It's exciting. You know, I love the Summer Olympics it's because I, I really dig the, the, the sporting events that the Summer Olympics have in comparison to, like, the Winter Olympics, right? You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a Summer Olympics guy. Love, of course, basketball. <laughs> As uh, both the women's, the United States women's national basketball team as well as the men's uh, team, they, can, they, they start to fill out, the, you know, the roster. Um, and players commit or players don't commit, you know. Uh, but it's always cool, man. It's always cool to see the basketball players that I love and watch on the regular in the NBA go out there and compete against other countries for a gold medal. And these other countries can ball now. I mean, how many how many names do we see in the NBA today that aren't American? So the international game has stepped up over the years, especially under David Stern, right? Uh, and also, you can look at the Dream Team and how you know how big of an impact the Dream Team had on international basketball and, and my, the Michael Jordan effect as well, right? But you know, the game is so international now that no longer are you know these these teams kind of just like laughed at that the United States plays against, you know, right? Like, like during the Dream Team days, I mean, the Dream Team was blowing out international teams by like fifty points. <laughs> uh, not the case anymore, just because they're more. I think they're more just more talented. Look, don't get me wrong. I think the Dream Team would give it to these current teams still internationally, but I'm just saying the talent level is uh, is higher. All right, but that's always cool. You know, track and field is is always awesome to watch as well. Um, and I saw that Allison Felix, which is just she she is. Goodness, she's amazing. Allison Felix needs to get more props. What she does and how she's done it, you know, for so long at 35 years old now, it's remarkable. She has now qualified for her fifth Olympics at the age of 35. 
you know, and this is her first as a mother. Uh, so she she solidified it yesterday following a, a second place finish in the 400 meters at the U.S. track and field Olympic trials. This, this all took took place in the home of, at the home of Nike, right? Uh, <laughs> Eugene, Oregon. <laughs> um, but Felix was in fourth place as the race entered the final home stretch. She narrowly caught two opponents ahead of her to record a, a season best time of 50.02. So shout out to Allison Felix. And this will be her final Olympic Games. She's noted that, you know, she made her Olympic debut back when I was 14 in 2004. And this will be her final one. Uh, Just awesome stuff. Allison Felix is special. Absolutely special. Um, So I saw that, wanted to mention her. And then how about... You know, uh, you know, we had some Spartans competing over the weekend, and will and, and some that will continue to compete um, at least up until the twenty seventh, as the uh, the the you know these uh, Olympic trials continue at Hayward Field out in Eugene. Um, started on the eighteenth, and, and they'll last to the twenty seventh. But uh, Morgan Bealscombe, five thousand meter, Lauren Chorney of the pole vault. Tim Earnhardt, decathlon, Leah O'Connor, 3,000-meter steeplechase, and Tori Franklin in the triple jump, all out in Eugene, Oregon, trying to make their Olympic dreams come true. And and one person I really want to give a big shout-out to is Tori Franklin because she's a friend of current sports. Tori, during her Michigan State days, um, in which she had one amazing career, broke a ton of records when it comes to her triple jump career in college um, was, was known nationally as an all American and so on and so forth. Tori came on our radio show, uh, came to studio S I want to say about two or three times. And then we also had Tori on current sports TV and, you know, just, man, she's just such an, an, uh, a sweetheart, unbelievably sweet. You know, she came in, she was, I never forget when Tori came in to current sports, uh, the current sports TV studios, she was so nervous. And I'm like, Tori, look, you better get used to this because you are going to blow up. I mean, with what you're doing at Michigan state, that's only the beginning. I know you're shooting for the Olympics and boom, look at her now. Right. And she's doing interviews. She's done a ton now. Like I, I bet if we doubled back and we did a current sports TV, sit down with Tori Franklin. Now she would be so com- comfortable and confident my goodness, because she was a little nervous <laughs> when we did that first episode, but she shuttled right in, you know, within like five to 10 minutes, man. Uh, but she's awesome. And, and Tori competed to try and, you know, qualify for the the triple jump team. Um, she competed yesterday and she finished second place with... Um, Let's see, a, a distance of 14.20 meters. Uh, Ketura Orgy came in first place at 14.52 meters. But Tori was right there in second, again, with 14.20 meters. And then you had Jasmine Moore at 14.15 meters. So with that said, um, Tori Franklin, I, th- I believe, qualified for that Olympic team. Now, I have to double-check that, but I believe she did, you know, uh, 
finishing second in the trials, I, I believe she did. So, um, because actually, because it, it, it shows here, and what I'm reading from NBCSports.com, um, her name is in bold. When I'm looking around, usually it tells you what the name in bold means, but I think that means you you qualify for the team. So, but fingers crossed. I, I want to double check that, but the fact she finished second in the trials is just gosh, it's just amazing, amazing. And um, you know, you can you can follow her on her social media, and I'm pretty sure she'll make an announcement later on today. Uh, but you you can follow her at Live Happy L I V E H A. P-P-I-I. Um, that's her that's her Instagram handle. And uh, actually the, the latest picture of her um, is uh, after the first day of those Olympic trials. Uh, and she says, one day down, no playing around, finals on Sunday at 5.55 Pacific time on NBC. Yeah, because if you remember after the U.S. Open uh, went off and John Rahm won the U.S. Open yesterday, they, they went straight to the Olympic trials. So anyway... Just wanted to give you guys an update on Tori Franklin. Just uh, absolutely amazing. And um, wishing good luck to, to Morgan Beetlescombe in the 5,000 meter, Lauren Chorney in the pole vault, Tim Earnhardt in the decathlon, Leah O'Connor in the 3,000 meter steeplechase, and of course, you know, Tori Franklin, who I believe did qualify. All right. So um, the Tokyo Olympics also have announced that they are going to allow spectators to be in the building. Yeah, they they made the announcement that they will have, they will allow up to 10,000 local fans in the venue. They've already put the ban on um, international spectators, so people flying in from from different countries to try and root on, you know, their respective country and their respective sport. So there will be no international spectators. It'll just be local fans in Tokyo, which will provide some kind of atmosphere, right? And the reason why we've been having this conversation surrounding spectators is because, you look, things may be looking great here in America and and coronavirus numbers may be down and and we're, we're getting a lot of people vaccinated in these United States, but in other parts, vaccination numbers are down. Access to vaccines are, are not readily available and people are still getting infected with COVID and people are still dying from COVID, whether you realize that or not. And this new variant, right, is, is causing some problems and, and causing some dis- discussion uh, amongst uh health leaders, but, um, you know, you look at it and Tokyo's numbers have subsided a bit. They have gone down. So Tokyo has said, look, all right, we'll open it up to spectators. Again, no international spectators. We'll make it local only and we'll cap it at 50% capacity, which is 10,000 people. So that, that's, that's where they've landed on this. And it's going, it's going to be good to at least see somebody in the building some kind of fan presence in the building for the Olympics, because it would just be kind of weird, you know, to to see the Olympic stage, the highest stage of sport when it comes to international competition, not have some fandom there, right? So 10,000 fans. Now, 
with that said, health leaders out in Tokyo and, and, and those on the International Olympic Committee have said that if coronavirus cases rise again, that rule could be changed and fans could be barred altogether. So spectators from abroad, again, have already been banned several months ago. And now I guess some local fans who have tickets will be forced to give them up. Uh, safety precaution, you know. So that's that's how it's going to shake now. You know, and, and it's already clear that this this Olympics will be unlike any other. But, you know, you, you listen to the organizers. They have, they have said that they are determined to hold them. Billions of dollars in broadcast rights. Billions of dollars in ticket sales are at stake here. And that's why they are trying to to force these games to take place. Because money and money was lost last year. They don't want another year in which they don't see those dollars flow in due to postponing another games. But again, then you start to have the conversation. All right. Is it safe, though? Is it safe? Because it would be disastrous. And, and it's the thing is, you're, you're seeing you're going to have thousands of athletes coming to Tokyo to compete. Thousands of athletes from different parts of the world coming to compete in the Olympic Games. How they are going to keep this thing foolproof and safe is beyond me. But they're going to have to try. You know, you compare it to the bubbles that we saw here in America. The thing is, the bubble is the bubble was just that. It's people here in America. You know, the NCAA tournament bubble out in Indy. Those were all teams here in these United States of America. They weren't teams coming from, from Europe or Japan, you know, the Caribbean. They, they, they were all from one country easier to control easier to control in, in, in comparison to athletes who are coming from all parts of the world from every corner of the world so i think you may see some positive cases throw a wrench into the competition here and there i really do and, and then you're talking about an area that just has not handled the pandemic well so many deaths Vaccination numbers low. It's just, I don't know. But, hey, they, they feel like 50%. I was shocked. I, I thought I w- we were going to see maybe like, I don't know, 30, 20 to 30%. But 50%, that's still, that's a lot. 10,000 is a lot. So we'll, we'll just see how it's handled and we'll, and we'll see how it pans out when the games begin next month. All right, so I just want to want to push that to you. Uh, again, those five Spartans competing, um, you know, trying to to qualify for the Olympic Games, and then the latest concerning um, the 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 ten thousand capacity at the games. All right, okay. As time ticks here, I want to hit our final break. When we come back, I want to bring you weekend winners. Who had the best weekend in sports this Father's Day weekend that we saw? That and more, you are listening to WKAR's Current Sports. All right, folks, welcome back to WKAR's Current Sports as we uh, we wind down the hour here, the opening hour 
of current sports. Want to give you guys a heads up as well. I, I plan on checking in with a, a few um, of uh, our, our dear friends of the show uh, this week. Uh, I think I'm going to have Jason Ruff on the show, former current sports intern in PA, who is uh, you know now the play-by-play voice for what? Is, what would be what his third, second or third year with the Odessa Jackalopes hockey team down in Odessa, Texas. Um, going to have Jay Ruff on, on, on the show at some point this week. Uh, I'm working on Anthony Iani because, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I got an early look, and I'm still pouring through it, but it is awesome. I got an early look at his memoir, and it's awesome. It, it really is awesome. And, I, and when, it hits, when it hits shelves, I think you guys are going to just eat it up and it's going to become a top book in our nation. I really do believe that. Um, but I'm pouring through it right now, and I want to talk to Ann about it, but I do want to finish the book first before I have him on, because there's some things I want to touch upon, and, and maybe some, some things, as I keep reading, I'm learning more and more about Ann. Um, there may be some things I want to bring up during the interview. So he may come on this week, he may not, but he's going to be on soon, if not this week. All right. Um, and I also want to have on... Some members of the the MSU swimming program, because um, that program no longer exists at Michigan State. Uh, it, it was it was cut, you know, uh, from you know when, when COVID hit. It was one of the cuts that Michigan State made, and and now uh, we saw last week five former MSU Olympians. They campaign for swimming and diving's reinstatement at the Board of Trustees meeting. So I want to have some guests on to address that. Some former Michigan State swimming and you know swimmers and divers uh, that that will come on the show this week. So very busy week here on Current Sports, and and you don't want to miss any of it. All right, but weekend winners, where I look at the weekend that was in the sporting world here locally and beyond, and give to you who I thought deserves a shout out. And I already brought up John Rahm, you know, John Rahm winning his first major, uh, just just amazing, just amazing. And I I believe he's the first ever um, Spanish golfer to win the U.S. Open. So just, you know, and and, and everything that happened two weeks ago with the COVID-19 situation, um, so deserving, so deserving. And it just shows you, you know, hard work and karma is real. Right? Just just awesome stuff. So anyway, John Rahm, congrats to you, my friend. Uh I already mentioned Allison Felix at thirty five years old, qualifying for her not one, not two, not three, not four, but fifth Olympics. And then can I give a big shout out to Shikari Richardson? Shikari Richardson, if you don't know who she is, um, she's a she's a track and field athlete and she dominated the one hundred meter. She clinched her first Olympic berth, dominating in the 100 meter on Saturday. Uh, she ran into the stands, embraced her family. And what got me was, you know, and this clip has gone viral on social media now. When she was asked about the moment on the NBC airwaves shortly afterwards, she revealed that her biological mother died last week. Yeah. She said, quote, my family has kept me grounded. Um. This year has been crazy for me, 
going from just last week losing my biological mother and I'm still here. Just emotional, emotional. And, you know, she was asked to repeat what she said and then went deeper on what her family means to her, but did not give details on her biological mother's death, saying, quote, I'm still here. Last week, finding out my biological mother passed away and I'm still choosing to pursue my dreams, still coming out here, still here to make the family that I do have on this earth proud. And the fact that nobody knows what I go through. Everybody has struggles and I understand that. But y'all see me on this track and y'all see me put the poker face on. But nobody but them and my coach know what I go through on a daily basis. And I'll highly be grateful to them. Without them, there would be no me. Without my grandmother, there would be no Shakiri Richardson. So my family is everything, my everything until the day I'm done, man. And she qualified with a 100 meter time of 10.86 seconds. It was 0.13 seconds faster than Javine Oliver, who finished second. Because my family has kept me grounded. This year has been crazy for me going from just last week losing my biological mother and I'm still here. What did you say? You lost your mother? Yeah. I'm still here. Last week finding out my biological biological mother passed away and still choosing to pursue my dreams. Still coming out here. Still making sure to make the family that I do still have on this earth proud. And the fact that nobody knows what I go through. Everybody has struggles and I understand that. But y'all see me on this track and y'all see the poker face I put on, but nobody but them and my coach know what I go through on a day-to-day basis. And I'm highly grateful for them. Without them, there would be no me. Without my grandmother, there would be no Shakari Richardson. So my family is my everything. My everything is to the day I'm done. Shakari, unbelievable. We offer our deepest condolences on your loss, as well as our congratulations on what you accomplished in the midst of all of that pressure. You okay to say this? See you in Tokyo? You're going to hear her name a lot come next month at the Tokyo Olympics. So, Shakari Richardson, congrats to you. Thoughts and prayers to you, um, you know, hearing that news about her, her mother. And uh, last but not least, weekend winners, all the dads out there, right? Happy Father's Day to all of the dads out there who listen to current sports on the regular. Be well and be easy, people. Thank you.